You are listening to the Every Child Can Learn podcast. The podcast is offered to you by Backup Uganda. You can listen to our podcast online on our website www.backupuganda.org. And if you are in Gulu, you can pick up the audios offline from Radio Maria and Backup Uganda office that is located at Elefante Commons. Head teachers from the district schools can pick the podcasts from the district education office and head teachers from the city schools can pick theirs from the city education office. Do you like our podcast? Feel free to share it with your family, friends and neighbors. The more people learn about learning difficulties, the better we can help our children. everybody to this new episode of the Every Child Can Learn podcast. Um, we are very happy to have a new guest today in this 26th episode. We talk so much about inclusion, about special needs, about learning difficulties and learning disabilities. But a topic we have not talked about yet so far is inclusion in vocational education in Uganda. My name is Anna Maika. I am one of the founders of Backup Uganda and also the country director at the moment. And I am very, very pleased to welcome Deborah today. Hi, Deborah. You're welcome. Thank you, Anna. We are talking online. So for listeners who are wondering why our voices might sound a little bit strange, we are speaking on Zoom. <laughs> um, but we are still going to have a very nice, engaging conversation. Um, Deborah, it's up to you. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? Who are you? And thank, what do you thank you very much, Annie. I'm happy also to be part of uh, this podcast so that I can share my experiences. My name is Deborah Zawe de Setiabla, and I'm the chairperson. Education Commission, Buganda Kingdom. Um, also the director of uh, Dalia Community Skills Development Center. Uh, I am a teacher by profession. Uh, that was my first degree. Uh, I have competences in IT uh, at a master's level. I also uh, specialized in special needs, uh, specifically in sign language interpretation, uh, also management of uh, institutions, majorly vocational institutions is one of my uh, qualifications. I'm a fashion designer and I do vocational guidance and counseling. Uh, I am married to Mr. Setiabla with three children and I do production learning, especially in my uh, company that is Dahlia Community Skills Development Center. I think for now that is uh, the introduction I can give I can give about myself. Thank you. Such a variety of talents. Thank you very much. I should <laughs> start asking you more about fashion design. <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> um, true. True true. 
Now, I know from our previous conversations that you have a very strong passion for inclusion in, in education yes. in general, um, and especially when it comes to vocational education. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, um, Annie, I say, yes, I do have the passion for inclusive education. And as a teacher, I realized that uh, we have left out so many of our disabled children uh, not knowing that they have almost the same capacity as the ones we could call the able-bodied. Um, I realized this when I was working with uh, the National Association of the Deaf in Uganda, and I was uh, their principal, the manager of their training institution. I, I came to an observation that the disabled can do a lot of work. They can do far much than we expect, but we rarely do not give them the opportunity to do it. This is something that I realized as a challenge and I made my personal recommendations as much as they were not uh, met, but I came up with this community uh, skills center to see that I can meet what I, I had recommended to the deaf institution. And allow me to share with you what I realized as a manager of the deaf people. Personally, I was teaching them ICT and they were very much compliant. They are very fast learners. Um, however, they need some people to move with. They cannot move alone uh, the ladder of uh, the, their career. They need someone to move along with them. I want to, special, to be specific with the deaf whose language is not known to many of, the, um, of us uh, to the extent that even when they know something so well, and they are skilled and professional in a given area, you realize that people will not trust them because of the language. So this is where I thought uh, maybe the hearing need to be alongside their career development, their jobs, to make that kind of interpretation, to get for them jobs, and then to do negotiation, to find for them market for their products. Those are the issues that I came uh, to realize. Uh, and while there, I made this recommendation that we need to do what we call production learning. If the deaf cannot be independent to work alone in their specific homes, in their specific areas, then we, the people who are training them, can do what you call production learning, which is so much emphasized in skilling, in the skilling project, especially skilling Uganda project. The production learning is where you give the training to the learner and immediately you come up with the products which are sellable. There we think we can be able to find market for their products and as they do the production, they are paid a cost of production as we find market for their product, as we improve on the quality because they are already in the training session and also doing the kind of production. So this is something that is lacking in most of the vocational institutions where the learners cannot be independent. As much as I'm talking about inclusivity, but I'm also talking about the other learners who, who are trained and by the fact that their ages are still low and their maturity levels are a little low, these are people who need a lot of mentorship. 
And with production learning, I think it can help them. You teach them all the processes of production right from the beginning, the raw material up to the end product. They get used, they get uh, in relation with all the products at all levels, all the processes of production so that they go up to the finishing level and then right to the final customer. So I briefly, I think I have uh, given you my passion for, for, for inclusivity. And when I started this uh, community skills center, I made sure I have uh, many disabled people I work with. Some of them are on my staff and I call them my experts. Others are trainees. Uh, we are inclusive in nature and we know we are benefiting because I find them doing very good work uh, that is required. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's very impressive. And I remember in a conversation we've had recently, uh, you mentioned something like even if someone isn't um, able to learn an entire production process, it could still be possible for someone to specialize in specific aspects, right? Did I remember that correctly? Yes, it is true. It is true. Ah, okay. Yeah, then I remember that. Well, I remember you gave an example of someone working in fashion. They may not be able yes. to from the design up to the finishing, but they might be very talented in a specific um, part of that process. Yeah. Yes, Ani, I think I can give you this entirely in an explanation. Sure. Um, yes, in what we call production learning, we, we identify processes of production. And you realize that depending on a given disability, uh, this learner cannot do uh, certain tasks because of that disability. And you find that they have a special talent of um, identifying a specific skill or a specific process in production. Let me be uh, so specific to the area of uh, fashion and design in terms of making a cloth. You realize that this is a deep support a person uh, maybe with the hands and cannot do the cutting maybe as a first process, but can do the measurement, can do all those others. So that person can be good in making uh, straight lines in tailoring. So that we, we can specialize in that and that person can do the work process of just making the straight lines. Another one can be um, not so conversant with uh, making curves or making good finishing. And then we give them other processes. So whatever you are talking about is really true, uh, that we can, we can specialize, we can have specific elements that uh, our uh, special needs personnel can, can really work with. And it helps so much in production learning. Uh, thank you for sharing that example. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful way of creating more inclusive spaces, right? And yes, true. Uh, we have specialists who have no disabilities as well. Why would we not allow that? <laughs> or why would we not yeah, that for someone with a disability? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Definitely yeah. Right. Now, you have already shared a few gaps um, that you have seen and experienced in, in mm. inclusion uh, in vocational education in Uganda. Would you like to add any others or you feel like you've mentioned all of them? So no, 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 I, I don't think I have completed 
because in Uganda, I think we we are still we have not unveiled enough about vocational education. We are still lacking. It is still so much in the background. Apparently, I think I understand as an individual. I think I understand what vocational education means, but I realize that many of my other colleagues whom, with whom we are in the same, same uh, job area, I don't see them fitting very well. Let me give you this example. Um, while I do production learning, I realize that my, my learners do specific work to the end market. Whatever we work on in our production, in our training, we are looking at the final consumer. We are not looking at something for to, to just pass through the education, the vocational education itself. We, are, we don't take it for granted, but we are looking at the end result. If you come up with a product, are you sure that the customer will be happy with it? And you are the very first customer. I always advise my learners that you are the very first customer. If it is not uh, attractive to you, then it will not be attractive to another person. Therefore, you have to make something which is sellable, which is marketable, and that means the issue of quality. So in vocational education, we have this gap that we don't follow our learners to the level of marketable products. We give them the training and we leave them in area, in gaps. Then the other issue uh, in vocational training, I have realized that the learners that we engage into this training will not have much of um, what we call it investment capital. Uh, in productions uh, of vocational uh, courses, we realize that there is a lot of machinery that is required to complete different processes. So these are learners we train and we want them to go out in the world to practice or to find their own jobs but they cannot have the machines for all the processes. That means they will always have uh, terminated processes in their work. For example, if they can acquire a machine which makes a straightening, straight, uh, a straight machine, uh, you will realize that they will need a finishing machine. They will need uh, a cutting machine. They will need uh, a designing, all those ones, which the learner at their level cannot afford. That is another gap. So when we have production learning and we have concentrated machines which uh, make a factory setting in one area, I think we can help these learners. We can have a model where they come and learn. After their graduation, they can go back and look for market. Then we can give them more spaces to come and operate with us because we have more machines and they cannot acquire. So as they bring in their market, they are finding their savings to accumulate more of what would be their initial capital. By the time they become independent, maybe they may have acquired the capital uh, investment that is required. So that is another area, another gap in, in our vocational training. Uh, then innovations and creativity is something that we have not touched so much. There is a lot that uh, can be handled in areas of uh, vocational training. And I always give examples of uh, the shoes in Uganda, the shoes that we call Nigi. Now, I don't know whether you know them, Ani. <laughs> Unfortunately, I cannot give you a video, 
but there are these shoes that we call Nigina. All the time you go on market, you find new designs, meaning there's someone behind the thinking of a new design all the time. When this year goes by, you realize another year is coming in with other designs and they are so exciting. So our uh, the customers always keep to have a choice. I need this one, I have this one. That is a role of a fashion designer. So even if we have a specific person in that area, there is need for guidance for these learners. There is need for mentorship along the way until we find them independent. So that is another challenge. We train them, we graduate them, and we don't do a track record. We don't know where they are. We don't know how they are doing, and it is somehow not helping us so much. I understand uh, the vision of Uganda of skilling uh, the children is to see that we have a bigger, a bigger income generating age or a bigger income generating team or group, but we have not reached the level of having that. The vocational training that is given is not targeting that. The machinery that is required is not um, accessible by all that go in vocational training. I think I have done so. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I hope I understood the shoes, but I, we will talk about that more. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, in the, in this area, you were mentioning a lot of gaps that can be worked on. Have you seen some progress in this in the past few years? Yes, in my in my organization, I have seen so far much progress. Uh, in other schools, schools which give vocational guidance. I see this gap still very evident. The gap is still there. Many of our learners who go for vocational training acquire the skills, but they are not helped along the way. So the gaps are still existing. It is only when we have a, num a lot of capacity building and too much of benchmarking in different organizations in different countries that we can be able to close these gaps. It is very much helpful, but it needs individuals or employers or uh, entrepreneurs who are business focused and they can be able to give the minimum investment that is required so that our learners can be able to close this gap. However, it is still existing. Thank you. Understood. Thank you very much. Now you already talked of capacity building. Uh, my next yes. question was going to be what what role teachers can play. Uh, we have listeners mm -hmm. who teach at vocational institutes, and I'm sure they would be very happy to learn from you what they could be doing to make yes. uh, vocational education more inclusive. True. Yes, Ani, we are available. My my organization is very much ready. And actually I have started to give what we call vocational guidance and training to institutions. I've started uh, giving this training to secondary schools, uh, those senior four and senior six. This is something that we need to carry on with because I've seen very many learners, uh, teachers and parents who are stakeholders in this, uh, finding it something somehow uh, new to them, the vocational guidance and counseling elements. 
this is where everything has to come in. And maybe something that I have not talked about, the gap that I've not talked about, is that when we talk about vocational education in Uganda, very many of our learners go into over flooded uh, skills. The skills with very many people and minimal market are the skills that our learners choose. So that is where we need vocational guidance. We do not give it to only the learners, but all the stakeholders, parents, teachers, learners, and school administrators. Yes. Thanks a lot. Do you have maybe an example off the top of your head of particular strategies that you include in that training for teachers in that capacity building? The, the capacity building that you offer, the one you were just talking about, I'm sure yes, there are yes, very yes. practical skills sometimes that you share um, with the people who participate in such training. So I'm trying to think if you maybe could share an example um, who knows, it might appeal to, to people who are listening to this episode and they think, oh, I definitely have to call Deborah and, and access more of this training. Okay, this is what we do. Um, let, let me give you the whole process of how I do this. Uh, first of all, I have a concept for vocational guidance and training, which concept I go and discuss with uh, school owners and institutions. And I lobby for them to uh, what we call a parents meeting where the children are going to be part. So there I already have four stakeholders in place. The parents who have called for a meeting, the learners who are also part of those, that meeting. I know the teachers will be there and then the school administrator. So I have those four stakeholders. So in that, in that meeting, I always do a PowerPoint presentation with um, a number of evidence-based uh, uh, activities that we do, and also with guidance, because the question really uh, that I usually ask is what we want our learners, our children to do in their future. You will realize that many of our parents give us the white collar jobs, that those are the ones they need, but we give the guidance that these people are very different from what they, well, we think their personality, their character, their aptitude, and then their disability or what we call ability is different. So we start from there to understand what we want our, our children to be or to, to be doing in future. And then we go guiding depending on the, those other areas that I've mentioned. So that is how I basically do it. Then the other way I do it is to invite schools to my training, to, to my workplace, to show all the work processes and the abilities that different uh, students can, can have in a workplace. You show all, them all the processes of doing something and then they make a choice. You guide them according to how you see um, them being able and then coping with the production. And then the other thing, we also produce a form to identify the character and personality character, personality, and abilities of these learners. We have a developed form that they fill and then we can make an assessment to find out what they can do best and what they cannot do best. I think I have answered you briefly, Annie. Thank you. That sounds so inspiring. It sounds like something I would want to do, <laughs> even though yeah, I don't work in a vocational institution. Thanks a lot. True. Um, my last question for you for today is if you could mm. tell us a bit more 
about yeah what, what what would you tell or what would you recommend parents you already mentioned them what would you recommend parents of children or youth with disabilities about vocational education because i'm sure they also play a very important role let me let me take it as a whole not to to differentiate uh the disabled but let me talk to all parents, whether our children are disabled or not. First, by giving you an example. Uh, as a teacher, I, I always know that in a training environment, we have what we call the slow learners and then the fast learners. Uh, there are those who are hyper and there are those who are slow. So. We, I know those differences uh, because of my background as a teacher. However, there are parents, like one of the parents who gave me my maid, my maid at home. Uh, this parent told me that I don't think you should bother my child to take her for further education because she is stupid. So that is the word that she, she used. My, my girl is so dull that she cannot even do anything. But with home cores, yes, you can take her up. So I spent with this girl for seven years. Indeed, she was slow, but with patience and with the techniques of a teacher, I managed to get something good out of this girl. Apparently, I call her my personal assistant. She doesn't know how to read and write. But practically, when she sits on the machine, she does wonders. Number two, she's, she does machine technician. She's a machine technician. She does machine mechanics. Not the minor, but also the major mechanical issues concerning our machines. She's the one who does them. I, I was with her for seven years. So I want to urge to parents who are listening and also those ones we should interact with that there is no one who cannot learn and i'm actually happy with uh, the, this podcast every child can learn i think it fits so well this girl is one of my experts so now i have started on the literacy classes for her so that she can benefit and have some english and then literacy levels of mathematics and counting these are things that she did not have so parents have a mentality this, this is a girl who was not disabled, but somehow she was a slow learner. So parents shouldn't judge their children because every child can learn that one, I'm sure. Then the other thing I need to advise is that parents should not be very excited about these vocational courses. They need guidance. They need to have guidance on what to choose. There are vocational courses or skills which are over flooded by people. And it is very, very, um, competitive fighting for market here and there. But then there are those courses which are hot and very demanding. So here the parents also need to have what we call vocational guidance. And thirdly, uh, to the institutions uh, which give these trainings, I will still uh, urge that we, we avail the machinery and all the work processes such that by the time our learner leaves our institution, they know quality differences, material differences, they know the machine differences, all those things are very, very important. 
However, they are not given in some of our institutions which give vocational training, but these are things that parents must look out for if they are to benefit. Thank you. So Deborah, how can people reach you if they want to learn more from you, please? Oh, thank you very much, Annie. I think I can give you my phone numbers. Uh, 0700-449-439. I can repeat that, 0700-449-439. Then the other one, which is on WhatsApp, is 0782-2383. 33. Um, I don't, can I read my email as well? Absolutely, yeah. Yes, it is enterprisedalia at gmail.com enterprise dahlia I wish to spell this email address. It is E-N-T E-R-P R-I-S-E, Dahlia, D-A-R-I-L-I-A. It is one word, enterprise, Dahlia, at gmail.com, D-A-R-L-I-A. Beautiful. I'm sure that is a, that comes in very handy for people who are listening to this episode. Thank you so much, Deborah. Is there anything else that you would like to add that you've not yet mentioned? Yes, I think yes. Um, I have realized something, like I told you, I, I think I have personally understood what is called vocational education. At my level, I think I know. Apparently, I am studying my doctorate in a counseling psychology. I have many degrees, I have many uh, skills, but I'm finding fashion and designing more paying, more, uh, more interesting to me as an individual. So as I climb the ladders of academic achievement, I still believe that skills can be more paying to any person who is passionate about them and gets the right training. I am still uh, sure about that. I have uh, tasked myself of two things, that all my children, my children I am, I give them this skill. So I have one in primary too, who can manage the machine, an electrical machine, absolutely well. She can do it very, very well. How I wish I can take up this skill in her so that in future she can be a very good fashion designer. I'm very passionate about it. Then the other one, I have a boy. My firstborn is a boy. This is a boy who is very reserved, a very, very uh, introvert to, to, to the extent that I even fail to understand as a mother. But through the skills, I have identified the talents of this boy. He is in, in senior one at the moment in Uganda, but he's a person who can do also machine mechanics and he loves it very well. That is a job for him in future if he carries it with, uh, well in mechanics. So I have gone on identifying tal talents of my children, 
by engaging them in my workplace and identify what they can do best and what they cannot do best. I think parents also need to know this. I think I had forgotten it, that identifying our children's talent at their young, uh, youngest ages is very, very important and we help them grow with it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, there are so many talents beyond academics, right? Absolutely mm -hmm, mm -hmm. agreed with that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Deborah, and thank you for sharing everything you have shared with us today. Um, I appreciate everything you are already doing and wish you all the best with your doctorate that you are embarking on. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. We look forward to catching you again for the next one. But for now, I just want to remind everybody that every learner counts and every child can learn. Thank you for listening to Every Child Can Learn. Please share your thoughts with us. Join the conversation on Facebook or send your questions to 0772630000. Do you want to learn more about Backup Uganda and stay updated about our activities? Check our website on www.backupuganda.org and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.